Welcome to For Real Conversations, a podcast discussing the heartwarming and sometimes challenging world of life with our pets. I'm Lauren, a clinical animal behaviourist, and I'm going to embark on a journey to have honest conversations, discuss realities and share stories of the joy, love, occasional chaos, and let's be honest, sometimes stress and anxiety that our fairy friends bring into our lives. When it comes to our pets, the conversations here are for real. Hello, so this episode is all about puppies and what you should prioritise when you first get your puppy. So getting a puppy is such an exciting time. You know, puppies are just are just wonderful little things. They're bundles of energy and they are so much fun to be around. And everyone loves to see a puppy. But sometimes I think it's really easy to get caught up in the excitement of getting a puppy and kind of forget about some of the practicalities and realities and things that need thinking about. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about what I personally think are important to prioritize. So the kind of inspiration from this episode actually came from a client of mine. So I offer kind of individual bespoke puppy support because I think it's really sometimes useful to kind of have someone who can look at your situation and help you with kind of really specific things. And um, so, you know, there are some wonderful puppy classes out there, but they tend to kind of have quite specific focuses. And sometimes there isn't always the time to kind of go into depth about maybe problems that you're personally experiencing. So this client of mine said that she she was kind of feeling quite overwhelmed and found the process of of kind of how to go about things with her puppy for her unique situation quite tricky. So she came to me for support and she she I think found that there was quite a bit of conflicting information out there and I agree that there really, really is. And I think the trouble is that there, there's so much information out there that sometimes this kind of puppy training and puppy behavior is considered to be quite black and white. Whereas the reality is it really isn't black and white at all. There's rarely a kind of one size fits all approach. We need to kind of consider what's right for us, what's right for our specific individual puppy and tailor things to our situation. For me personally, there's four things I think really you need to consider as a priority no matter kind of what your situation no matter what puppy you've got you know whether it's a a terrier or a spaniel or a retriever or whatever breed I think these things kind of are, are fairly common and things that you do need to prioritize so firstly toilet training that seems quite an obvious one if you're going to have your puppy in your house you probably want to get them toilet trained ASAP it's, you know, not nice if your kind of puppy is constantly having accidents indoors. And the more they do have accidents indoors, the more they're probably going to continue along that line. So it's a really important area to kind of have a plan in place from the get-go, start as you mean to go on. And at the end of the day, toilet training is all about consistency and kind of commitment and teaching the right habits from the get-go. So there really isn't this kind of like magic way to go about things. It just really is about consistency get your puppy outside as much as possible and get those right habits going from the get-go. So the second thing that a lot of people come to me with because they're struggling with this aspect is puppy biting. 
So puppies have sharp teeth and it is really normal and natural for puppies to explore the world with their mouths. So a lot of people do kind of struggle with puppy biting. So again, that's another area that I always recommend people kind of get a plan in place from the get-go, know how they're going to approach it because it is really important to make sure that your puppy has appropriate outlets to use their mouth and to chew but also that they're not getting into the habit of using their mouths on on us, on humans, on our clothes, and making sure that we kind of understand a bit about why puppies use their mouths and how to stop them is really important and really useful, again, to get them into the right habits from the get-go and making sure that you don't end up with your cute puppy turning into an adolescent dog and then an adult dog that hasn't learned that using their mouth on people or on clothes or on the lead or whatever that may be isn't appropriate. So we do need to teach the appropriate behaviours early on. So the third priority I always like to talk to people about and teach is teaching puppies to settle. So that might seem a bit obvious, like, well, surely puppies know how to settle. Well, actually, they tend to not know how to settle and it is something that we need to teach them. So we often bring puppies into our lives, which sometimes can be quite chaotic. So obviously some of us will have more going on than others, but usually we have quite a lot going on in the home, whether that's kids running around or adults coming and going or other pets or, you know, traffic or past people passing by outside. There's quite often like a little bit of chaos somewhere along the lines. So we need to remember that we're bringing our puppies into this world and expecting them just to be able to kind of settle down is actually quite a big ask. So I like to say that puppies tend to be a bit like kids and particularly toddlers. They sometimes need a little bit help in settling down and they can sometimes get a bit carried away with their emotions and a bit carried away in general. So expecting them just to suddenly be able to, you know, drop play and just go and settle and sleep is quite a big ask. So they often need a little bit of help in in learning how to do that and how to settle down. So that's something I think everyone should prioritise. Some people, depending on your puppy, will have an easier job with it than others. But the more you do that from the get-go, the better habits, again, your puppy will get into and the easier they'll find it to settle down as they grow from a puppy to an adolescent dog to an adult. It just makes life so much easier for you means they can settle down when you need them to. And then once they're able to settle down at home, you can take that out and about. So you can teach them to settle down at the park. You know, you can teach them to settle down at a cafe, a pub. So you can start to actually take them out and do so much with them. And your puppy will kind of be able to settle down and not get overstimulated by kind of everything that goes on. So as I said, just it's not a given that your puppy will know how to settle down. So that's something I really like to prioritise to teach every puppy to make sure they know how to settle and get that much needed rest. So finally, something that's really, really important, and I think one that most people have heard about is socialisation. So puppies have this kind of critical socialisation period. Now, a lot of the time we get our puppies at kind of eight weeks onwards, So actually, a lot of the socialization period has already been. So that's been with your kind of breeder or rescue or, you know, we don't have control over that time, unfortunately, most of the time anyway. So that's that's quite an important consideration because 
the socialization period goes roughly to about 12 weeks, potentially slightly higher. Um, you know, it's not kind of exact, it's not an exact cutoff. Um, but this is a time when our puppies are kind of really, their brains are really ready to learn all about the world and, and have experiences. And these experiences that they do have in that time will kind of get those brain connections going and they will be the basis of how your puppy perceives the world later on in life. So that's really, really quite important. So for instance, the experiences your puppy has with, say, other people, dogs, livestock, traffic, noises, they'll be forming these kind of brain connections and building these experiences, and that's going to shape how they react to things later on in life. So it's it's quite an important time. However, it's kind of important to also realise that we can't necessarily control everything that goes on. So we just need to be aware of these things and make sure that we recognise what experiences our puppies have had and then we can help them and know where they might need support in later life. So I think in all honesty, socialisation is a concept which is quite poorly understood. So I think if I said to most people, what do you consider to be socialisation? They would say something along the lines of, well, socialisation is just letting a puppy experience life. And you'd be right that that is part of it. However, it is only part of it. And the, the difficulty comes is that we can't just let our puppies experience life because chances are, if we just let our puppy loose in a field to, you know, just get on with things, chances are at some point they're probably going to have a negative or overwhelming experience. So, for example, they might have another larger dog run up to them who might just be a little bit too much and they might feel overwhelmed, a little bit worried by the situation. And then that's how their brain is going to perceive that situation. So the next time they're put in a similar situation, that's what their brain's going to come back to. And that's going to be the basis of how they react. So each time something like that happens, these experiences build and it makes maybe slightly negative reactions much more likely to happen. So we do want our puppy to have these experiences, but we want them to be positive and we want them to be calm and relaxed and we don't want our puppies to feel overwhelmed. So it's really, really important that you are getting your puppy used to things that they're going to need to experience in life, but making sure that they're calm and positive experiences where possible. So as I said, we can't control the outside world, so we can't kind of be in control of everything, but we can try and set these experiences up to make them as likely to be successful as possible. And if we do kind of realise that our puppy has maybe had some negative or overwhelming experiences, just be aware of that and then think about that so you can try and replace those experiences with more positive ones where you can. As I said, I think sometimes there's an area people get a little bit anxious about and that that's completely understandable because it is, you know, it's a big thing. It's it's shaping our puppies' experiences of how they're going to perceive the world in the future. So it is really, really important. But as I said, we can't control everything. So try not to get kind of, find it too overwhelming and just really, I think, can learn to read your puppy and recognize what they're experiencing. And as long as you can do that, then you're kind of in the best place to help them in their future and set them up to success where possible 
and just be aware of where they might struggle based on previous experiences. So yeah, as I said, socialization, really, really important for every puppy because of this critical development period and the fact that during this stage, our puppies, their brains are just so kind of absorbing everything and building their experiences up just constantly. So yeah, important time. I think also then it's really, really important to tailor your socialization efforts towards your particular lifestyle. So what I mean by that is think about what your puppy is going to be experiencing in their life with you and make sure that you're tailoring your socialization efforts to that. So then the, the life they're going to lead, you're kind of setting them up and preparing them for that. So for example, if you live in a urban environment, chances are your puppy is going to need to be, it's going to, they're going to experience traffic and people passing by. So make sure you're getting those socialization experiences in when they're a puppy and, you know, let them maybe sit on a bench on the side of the road and just watch traffic going backwards and forwards from a distance. If you're more rural, then your puppy might be likely more likely to experience livestock. So again, have them safe and on lead and let them just kind of watch sheep in the field from a distance, obviously making sure not to worry the sheep so that they've seen sheep and they're kind of no big deal. So things like that, just thinking about what your puppy is going to experience in their life with you and tailoring experiences to that. So using my own dog Ivy as an example, I got Ivy about coming up for two years ago now. And I thought really carefully about what Ivy was going to experience in her life with me and really tailored the experiences I gave her in those early days to make sure that she was prepared and ready for what she was going to experience. So obviously we can't kind of, you know, things change and that's okay, but we can set them up for success as best as possible. So I had a one-year-old daughter at the time, so it was quite important to make sure that Ivy was kind of used to her and used to kind of children. So from the beginning, we made sure to kind of um, manage interactions with my little girl and made sure that in those early days experiences were as positive as possible so obviously both dog puppies and children you know if we just leave them to it they're going to get overwhelmed quickly they they don't know when enough is enough they they kind of you know it's not fair to expect children or puppies to 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 know these things so we need to kind of manage the situation for them and make sure that we're setting them both up for success. So I use things like barriers, stair gates to make sure that Ivy, my puppy, could kind of watch my little girl playing, but equally they weren't kind of having access to each other and just making sure that they could both get used to each other but not be kind of in each other's face, overwhelming each other. And basically I just kind of let them get used to living with each other but also kind of not being in each other's faces. I'm just kind of being too much for one another. I made sure that they had their own space. So another thing was I knew that at some point in the future, Ivy would be living with horses. So I knew that we were going to be moving to a place with horses nearby. So it was really important to me that she was used to them so that when she suddenly was faced with kind of having horses the other side of the garden, it wasn't this big kind of shock and that she was used to them and comfortable with being around them. So I made sure 
to take her to the yard where my horse was at that point with me and just let her have positive experiences, just getting used to being on the yard with horses. Um, so not necessarily again, I didn't kind of, you know, shove her in with the horse, my horse Bumble and just let her get on with it. I kind of just held her and just let her get used to being around them from a distance and get used to the kind of, you know, horses moving around her and just build it up gradually. So it's really important to think about what your puppy is going to need to be around and tailoring the socialization experiences to that. So again, coming back to kind of what your puppy is going to experience in their life, it's just such an important consideration to think about. So is your puppy going to be around kids? Have you got other animals in the household? You know, how much time do they need to going to need to spend on their own? And then thinking about these things and thinking, what can you do to make sure that you're getting your puppy comfortable with the things they're going to need to experience and come up against? So quite often people come to me and they say, I want help crate training my puppy. So when they come to me and they say this, my first question usually is, okay, so, so why do you want to crate train? Why do you want to use a crate? So the response I often get is, well, I, I read that you should crate train a puppy and that's, that's great. That information is definitely out there and there's nothing wrong with that. But I usually say to people, okay, but how is using a crate and shutting a puppy in a crate going to fit into your life? Like, wh What's it going to do for you? Because there's nothing wrong with that. However, sometimes it, it's not necessarily important and necessary. And so I really want to get to the bottom of, you know, why do people want to do these things? So I do use a crate for each of my dogs. However, I don't use them in a kind of traditional sense. I just have them open as safe, cozy places for my dogs to go and retreat to, but they have kind of free choice to do that. So I've actually got a blog on my website, which talks a little bit more about how I like to use a crate. So go have a look at that if you're interested. But as I said, that's the method that I found that works for me. So when I had my daughter, I wanted to make sure that Poppy, my rescue dog, had a kind of space to retreat to. So that's why I kind of set the crate up as I did. So if, if you want to use a crate because you say you want to get your puppy used to kind of having somewhere that they go where you can kind of make sure that, you know, they can't, they can't be destructive or get up to no good, then that's absolutely fine. But make sure you're kind of thinking about your particular setup. So if you say, well, I want to use a crate initially, but we, we just want this for the early period and then we want to get rid of it. I usually say to people, okay, well, maybe let's just ditch the crate and, and start as we mean to go on from the beginning because it's going to make life a lot much easier. So as I said, it's kind of thinking about what you want in the long run and starting as you mean to go on. So it might just be that you just want your puppy to be able to settle down somewhere kind of secure where you can sort of make sure that then, you know, they're not having access to destroy your furniture or pee on the sofa or whatever. So, you know, having a crate and shutting them in a crate isn't the only way to go about that. So really thinking about what you want in the long term. And again, I think another area that is really, really quite important to think about is what other animals do you have in the house? So if you've got kind of other dogs, then it's really, really important that you think about getting management in place to make sure that you can set both or all animals in the house up for success with each other. As I said, puppies tend to be bundles of energy. So if you've got kind of an older dog, chances are that they might get a little bit fed up with this bundle of energy quite quickly. 
obviously this is very individual and will depend on the puppy and the older dog, but it's not kind of fair to necessarily expect an older dog to just put up with a puppy. So it's really, really important to kind of tailor how you're going about things and making sure that you've got management in place. So your older dog is able to go off and have their own space away from the puppy and you're maybe doing things and using up your puppy's energy in a way that doesn't necessarily involve the older dog. So I'm not saying they can't have any interactions. Obviously, that's, you know, it's great. We want them to get to know each other and be able to share space together. But I think it's important to be aware that they might not necessarily want to kind of be in each other's face all the time and just making sure that you can kind of be aware of how each animal is feeling. So it's the same with, you know, if you've got cats in the house, if you've kind of always had a cat and then you suddenly introduce a puppy, it's probably quite a big deal for your cat. So be aware of that. Make sure they've got their own space. Cats love high up places because they feel safe away from dogs. So really think about each animal and how you can kind of set that relationship up together to make sure that they're having positive interactions and not kind of having too many negative experiences. But again, you know, things happen and that's okay, but just use those experiences to learn and kind of base how you go forwards with things. So again, as I've talked a little bit about kids is a really important one. Again, kids and animals do need managing together. Otherwise, they will kind of get too much for each other at times. So it's not uncommon for kind of puppies and children to kind of find each other a bit too much. And kids tend to be quite excited and have high-pitched voices and maybe scream. And that's going to wind a puppy up quite a bit naturally. So they're maybe going to be more likely to use their mouth and might get a bit mouthy with the child. And then the child is obviously not going to like that. So we need to kind of step in there and manage that situation. So it's thinking about these things and what's relevant to you and how are you going to manage your puppy based on these things. So again, your work commitments is another thing to think about. How much time is your puppy going to have to spend alone? You know, if it's likely that they're going to need to, you know, you might have, say, taken a week off work to settle them in. But from that point on, are they going to be expected to spend four hours alone suddenly? You know, that's absolutely fine. And kind of four hours is what's considered kind of fair to leave a, a dog alone. But if you suddenly just one day leave your puppy alone for four hours, they might struggle with that a little bit because they're not used to it. So it's important that you think about gradually increasing those absences so that they get used to spending time on their own in their own space. There are so many of these things to think about and really what's relevant for your situation. So another one might be if you're maybe planning holidays in the future, think about getting your puppy used to spending time with wherever they're going to be. So if you've got family members who are going to look after them, get them used to spending time with family members early on. So it's not suddenly a shock if one day you just drop them off and leave them or, you know, whatever the situation might be for you. Equally, you might want to then think about your training. So, for example, if you live in a kind of urban environment and you're going to be walking kind of through the city or busy places, you really might want to think about working on loose lead walking. So getting your puppy used to walking nicely on lead so that you can start building those skills because, again, Dogs just don't tend to naturally walk nicely on leads because it's not natural for them. They naturally walk a lot quicker than us. So we do need to teach them that skill. So it's something that if you're, if you're going to need, if you've maybe got a really strong dog, you're going to want to prioritize that to make sure that walking is safe and enjoyable. 
But equally, maybe you live in a more rural environment and you're realistically your puppy or dog doesn't need to be off lead that much. So you might want to think about really working on those recall skills earlier on so that you can let them off lead safely and you know that they're going to come back to you. So as I said, really thinking about your priorities, what's right for your situation. Because there's so much advice out there online and everyone loves to give their advice on dogs and puppies, you know, from neighbours to friends to family to Facebook groups, you know, everyone's got advice for you and some of it will be fantastic advice. Others might be a little bit more questionable, but it's, you know, it's really about finding the advice you need for your situation. So obviously we always want to make sure that the advice we're taking has our puppy's best interests at heart as well as ours. So we want to make sure that it's welfare focused advice and, you know, is is really putting them and their experiences first and not kind of, you know, putting them in to situations which might lead to negative um, emotions, you know, might make them scared or anxious or frustrated. We want to make sure that they're having positive experiences because at the end of the day, what's the point in having a puppy if they're not going to be happy? And a happy, content puppy is much, much, much more likely to behave well. So really think about these things and don't be afraid to kind of ignore unsolicited advice. I mean, let's be honest, we all love to give advice, but quite often it's just not wanted. So if someone's giving you advice, just kind of, you know, take it with a pinch of salt, thank them for it and move on. And then really look for the advice that you want for your situation. So that's my advice on kind of how to prioritise your journey with your puppy and what to think about. And yeah, I think my main takeaway message would just be think about your situation. Think about the life you want to live with your puppy and kind of tailor your journey to that. Look for support where you need it and really make sure that the support you're getting is kind of going to benefit you and benefit your puppy and ultimately the relationship and the journey you want to have with them. Thank you for joining us for For Real Conversations. I'd love to learn more about the experiences you've had with your pets. So message me on social media or drop me an email to let me know what conversations you want to hear. If you'd like to learn more about me and my dog or cat behaviour support options, you can head to my website, wagonpurpetbehaviour.co.uk. I'll be back soon to continue these for real and honest conversations. So until next time, remember, it's okay to take things one paw at a time. Bye.